0: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Dave Scott is back with Spaced Out Radio, UFO Stories from Above Canada. We've also got Brittle Star here on the podcast. Stuart Reynolds, comedian, entertainer, he broke his silence, if you will, on being tired and angry around COVID. It's very entertaining, it's very direct and he's awesome check out his stuff and he's coming up for you on the shift daily podcast i know that many of you shift heads are very excited to connect with him too because we haven't um we haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks and uh we've been really looking forward to it maybe we're talking about sasquatches wrestling with pod farmers maybe we're talking about aliens uh I'm not quite sure where this is going to go dave scott spaced out radio there we go i can hear him dave are you there how you doing, Shane? Good, brother. It's so great to hear your voice. Um, the most pressing question, of course, is your frustration with your beard. Um, I know that's not yeah. world of the woo here, but um, I am curious. Uh, how how you doing?
2: I saw how good looking you were when you shaved, so I decided to shave mine.
1: <laughs> that's the plan, is it? I took some
2: advice from you, but you know, you did eh? can can I celebrate an anniversary with you? A radio sure. anniversary for me in this show. Yeah, please. It was six. It was six years ago tonight, my friend. I was broadcasting, still doing the podcasting, getting all new into the radio program, and doing paranormal radio at night. I was on Blog Talk Radio, and I was sitting outside of my house or in my house in my little studio right by my front door that I had set up in an old bedroom that uh, that we had converted into a studio. And I saw something move out of the window. And I'm thinking, crap, someone is at my door. They're going to knock. The dogs are going to be barking. That's terrible radio when you got dogs barking in the background. Problem was, my dogs didn't bark. So I put my microphone on mute. My guest is talking. I swivel my chair over to the window to see who is outside my door and outside my window. And lo and behold, my eyes focus on the darkness outside and there is a giant gray head with almond-shaped black eyes, a gray alien standing on the other side of my window. That happened six years ago tonight, and that's how we got our mascot named Carl. Carl. <laughs> he needed that a
1: sounds name. Like a, he need, it sounds like a great name for an alien. Why wouldn't you call him Carl?
2: That sounds fantastic. Exactly wow. my point. Has Carl exactly. come back since? Six years ago tonight.
1: Has Carl come back to you since, or uh, was it like a one-time Once.
2: visit? Once in 2018, hmm. and uh, I actually—do you remember the movie Signs? No, but I'm not M. Big Night on Shyamalan. Movies. Okay, watch uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movie, the Sign- or called Signs. It's about okay. ETs and aliens coming down. Mel Gibson's in it. Joaquin Phoenix. But during that movie, there's a, a famous shot of a kid crawling on top of the car, and he's got this baby monitor, and he hears this sound, this type of sound, like they're talking over the baby monitor. The last time that Carl was at my house, I actually heard a conversation up my driveway and in my backyard of this kind of weird. That's serious woo right there, Shane. It's real,
1: like in, in the real world of the land of the woo right there. Well, it's great to hear your voice, buddy. Yeah. I, um, glad to have you Thank back you. here on the program to chat and visit. Um, I love this part and the audience loves this part of the program too. So where do you want to go here today? We chatted about it. We, we sort of, uh, shared with the audience about new sightings and new videos about the, uh, the UFOs. So what did you, you want to go there first or did you have a different idea?
2: No, no, we can go wherever you want to go. Do you want to go to the American report or the Canadian report?
1: Let's start with the Canadian one first, and then we'll go down south.
2: Okay, you know how we've talked no- numerous times on this segment that you do about how the Canadian military never admits to anything. It's like we're boring. We're boring when it comes to UFOs. Well, in Vice magazine last week, There was a major article put up about Canada's military is being notified when pilots are reporting in UFOs in Canadian airspace. Now, this is something that I have been digging into, and I know others have been digging into this as well. And I've actually talked to some former CF-18 pilots and current pilots about this, and they don't want to talk about it at all. The answer I usually get is, I'd rather not, or nope. Never happened to me. Don't know what you're talking about. There is no protocol. But apparently, we go back to January 6, 2019. And this was a report that was first got by a good friend of ours, Ryan Stacy, from the Experiencers Support Association out of Ontario. And he got this piece of paper through a FOIA request. Vice later on was able to confirm it and do a story on it, that there was a medical transport flight flying over northern Alberta, pardon me, Manitoba, that reported an inexplicable bright light that was following them in the sky at the same altitude and the same speed. Now, this happened just before sunrise. So they called into air traffic controllers in Winnipeg who immediately got a hold of CFB North Bay in Ontario So that way they could dispatch a couple of Canadian Armed Forces jets to try and intercept this craft. Now, the official documents say that this is listed as unidentified aerial phenomena, which we're hearing so much about out of the United States. And I'm going to quote uh, from this article here. It says, the document confirms that the government of Canada, the Royal Canadian Air Force, and seemingly NORAD – have a process for reporting sightings of both unidentified and identified flying craft. Now this quote was made by a gentleman named Professor Timothy Sale out of the University of Toronto's International Relations Program. So this is starting to get attention up here. However, once again, no follow up with any politicians, and the two CF eighteens that were able to to intercept this craft, they were they were in the sky. And they followed it for about three minutes. It was heading towards, or the flight was heading towards Thompson, Manitoba. And the object, whatever it was, disappeared. Just vanished in the sky. Nav Canada is where all the UFO reports in Canada seem to be going. And they seem to be taking real interest in this subject. And we knew that going into the past that they don't talk about this. But they do have a certain section there. Transport Canada is also involved on the UFO front. So we're starting to make some headways and opening up some doors here and try to figure out what is Canada's protocol when it comes to UFOs being sighted in our airspace.
1: So what, I mean, what are they supposed to do? I mean, if it just sort of vanishes, do they take pictures? Like, do they, I mean, I, like, I don't even know where would you start?
2: Well, I mean... You have to build a report. So the report automatically comes in through Air Traffic Control, who patches it through to NAV Canada, patches it through to the military, which is obviously set through NORAD, all right? That I did know. And if you recall the report of the RCMP that I told you about a long time ago, Mm -hmm. I knew that the minute a call comes into the RCMP regarding UFOs, NORAD is immediately contacted, immediately, and they try to scramble the first two closest CF-18 Hornets to try and intercept the craft, whatever it may be. That's exactly what's happened here with this uh, this latest report that's out. This is apparently happening a lot more frequently than it is. Whether or not those CF-18 pilots are getting any gun camera footage off this of these craft, we don't know yet. Canada really doesn't have a a real long history of releasing military operations via camera. You know, you don't even really see them on YouTube, a pilot just putting their own stuff on there. We don't allow that because what we don't want to talk about, we don't talk about it. That's the way it is. But the information, thanks to what's happening in the United States, is starting to come out. There is more interest in it. We just got to open the door.
1: Okay, so that's a very natural place to sort of say this is kind of like, uh, I would assume for for your UFO people that um, the smoking gun, at least you would think, to start getting information, but still a little bit of info, but not a lot of info. So let's go down to the American story, because that footage um, that has come out down there is being reported as the best ever. So is there any more answers that are being publicly shared? From the UFO story down south.
2: Well, apparently, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, a gentleman named Jeremy Corbell is going to be releasing more information about incidents that are happening with the United States Navy. That's the latest news that we are hearing. Corbell also last week released a video that everybody has seen of the triangle taken from an American warship that was off the coast of San Diego, California that incident taking place in the summer of 2019. So the interesting part about these triangles and that video, I totally believe that it is real. I know there is great debate whether it's a it's a video phenomena called bokeh that pushes everything into a triangle, makes stars look like a triangle when it's out of focus. There's a lot of debate going on, typical UFO skepticism that we see happening. But this video is probably the closest that we have to actual real UFO footage that we've seen. And most people, if you've been surfing the Internet on every major news site, they've been talking about this video. It's been shown on television. And Jeremy Corbell, I think, did a great job of bringing that out, and he's got more information. And Jeremy's really tied to Las Vegas investigative journalist George Knapp, who, as you know, 31 years ago, or 32 years ago now, help break the story of Bob Lazar, who said he was working on spacecraft at Area 51. So it's all tied together. The information is coming out. Everything is building to June 25th. That's when the big report from the 180 days has to be released by the United States government in regards to what they know about UFOs. Now, we're not going to get a lot of juice there, Shane. We're not going to get a lot of juice. We're probably going to get a lot of pulp. But there's not going to be a lot of juice there.
1: Now, is that just sort of, I guess, the history speaking for itself of what what's going to come out in this? I mean, those pictures are pretty; they're pretty telling. I mean, the the triangles in in the photos, and they're they're easy to find. But there are all kinds of videos and you know these sort of triangle pyramid things. <sighs> I like that. There's no, there's, there's no good scientific
2: terminology there.
1: Yeah, well, thanks. I'm not the scientist here. Um, the uh, There's no filter on Snapchat that's going to make those things be in those photos, right, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I mean, they look legitimately strange in the sky, and they don't look like something that we see every day. So yeah, it also takes a couple of years for these, even this video to come out. So, I mean, how do you chase that?
2: Well, the only thing that you can do is take their word for it. Now, with this latest video of Jeremy Corbell's, it has been confirmed by the Pentagon and their spokesperson, Susan Goff, as being authentic that this is unidentified aerial phenomena that we are seeing. I expect a few more of these types of videos to come out before June 25th and even after June 25th. But we have to realize, too, that with the American government, they can cover up absolutely everything. Anything, any country can. We can do it here in Canada if we use the terminology national security. So we're not going to get the good stuff. We're not going to have uh, find out what happened at Roswell in 1947. We're not going to find out what happened in Phoenix on January or pardon me, March 13th, 1997. We're not going to find out what happened at Shag Harbour, Nova Scotia, on October 3rd, 1967. We're not going to find out that juice. We we want it, but I mean, if you think about it, if they do have downcraft, if they do have alien bodies, or even live aliens hanging out at Area 51, maybe there's an alien bar there. I don't know. I, I, I hope not. so. Right? Because that's a bar I would like to go to. If they do have that, they are not going to give it up for national security. They absolutely will not. Remember, there's 7.8 billion people on this planet and a very small amount of those people are actually ready for any type of extraterrestrial presence.
1: You concerned that it takes a couple years for these videos to air quotes be leaked, Um, you know, because, I mean, this particular video was a couple years old and then it got leaked out and got into the hands of the, the reporter. So, like, is that concerning in the study of all
2: this? Well, I think they're being leaked for a reason, because there's a, from what I'm hearing, there's a great debate going on at the Pentagon and in Washington, D.C., as to whether or not to bring this information out. Half the side wants it all out. Let's just tell the people. Tell them what we know. The other half is like, no, no, can't do that. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about religion. They're worried about suicides. Well, how is this going to affect absolutely everything? This is what I'm hearing in the background. That's the big key right there. Hmm. So the people who want it out are getting out what they can. The people who don't want it, well, they're trying to put the brakes on everything because they don't want the story out. you got to realize, and your audience needs to realize, whether they believe in this phenomena or not, there's some real big shots in Washington, D.C. right now who are having this conversation, and they want to know what is our role, what are we doing about it, what can we do about it is this uh, is this phenomena stoppable is it a threat and people need to start paying attention because this is a story shane that is not going away yeah
1: i get with really you there i just i always wonder why i mean if if i saw one today the very first thing i would do would be to text it to you and I don't know how you could contain that, right? Like, I don't know how you could contain that excitement of going, oh, my God, you won't believe what I saw in today's social media world, how it doesn't come out sooner. But I guess, you know, you've sort of shared the politics behind um, getting exposed and kind of getting beat up by it all online if you just throw it out there. So, you know, I get that part, too. So
2: it, it's got to be hard to navigate, dude. It, it very much is. But here's the question that needs to be asked. I know we're running out of time. Why now? After 70 years of cover-up since Roswell, why now? There's no reason to bring it out. There's no reason to say that we need to get this to the public after 70 years of cover-ups. There's no reason for the videos. There's no reason for the Navy to talk unless something is about to go down. And my belief on it is something is going to go down. We just don't know what. So the big question that everybody needs to ask every journalist needs to ask is why now
1: that's a great point dave scott spaced dot check out his stuff he's got the podcast and the show uh, david it's great to hear your voice brother so much fun thank
2: you we'll talk to you we'll talk to you next month my friend
0: this is the shift podcast
3: i'm tired of stupid people the pandemic has been like turning on an ultraviolet light in a hotel room that has made you distressingly aware of just how much stupid is around you at all times. It's on everything and it's everywhere. I'm tired of the people protesting lockdowns and masks, Like any government would want to enforce either, ever. Less tax revenue and millions of unhappy voters is not a great re-election platform. Lockdowns suck. Everyone already agrees. They're literally protesting a virus or at best are protesting against measures put in place to protect them from a virus and keep them and their stupid loved ones healthy. (sighs) I'm tired of the people who have not been directly impacted by this virus telling us they should be able to live their lives without any issue, either completely oblivious to how viruses work or moronically selfish. Like someone who says they shouldn't have to get out of the pool just because a bunch of people crapped in the deep end. I'm tired of politicians trying to use this pandemic as a means to score political points and boost re-election chances by blaming everyone and everything else, rather than just taking responsibility of the situation and getting us the hell out of it. This is a war effort. You know who we'll vote for? The politicians who get us out of this. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being on guard. I'm tired of being anxious. I'm tired of sitting at home. I'm tired of the endless depressing news coverage. I'm tired of seeing doctors at a breaking point because they're watching this whole thing go down like a slow motion deja vu. I'm tired of absolute morons who think they somehow know better than scientists and doctors. I'm tired of the conspiracy theories. I'm tired of watching people ignore the rules and then inevitably turn into cautionary tales. I'm tired of wearing a mask. I'm tired of social distancing. I'm tired of this pandemic. I know it's not over yet. And I'll do whatever I have to do to help ensure me and as many other people as possible get through it. But f- I'm tired. That is Brittle Star.
1: Better known as Brittle Star or Stuart Reynolds or Hey You, Take Out the Trash. <laughs> it could go any way. Uh, how are you, Stuart? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining us here on the shift. I appreciate it. You're you're new to the family here. Uh, we call our audience shift heads, and uh, it's a it's a community all across Canada, and everybody helps each other out. So we're glad to have you here.
3: Well, thank you so much. It's fun to be here. And I I, I thought to myself when you said that actually shift heads that I thought I respond to that name too. Oh no, you said shift heads. That was different. I know. So, yeah,
1: but there was one time where I forgot the f. <laughs> <laughs> on the air I did I was calling everybody shift heads and I forgot the F and it well, was just one of those days and sometimes it merits it it does <laughs> merit it more so for me than it does the audience uh your piece there uh it's about a week or so uh, old that mm-hmm. you published that online and you um you know you're kind of fed up mm-hmm. with everything that's been going on and I love the voice you put behind it I mean it was a it's you have this way of being respectful Mm. Uh, not that respect is always warranted, but I mean it that in, but you have a way of delivering it with clarity and kindness and still sort of like a, a a powerful look, I'm not screwing around here. This, this matters. So tell us about that piece.
3: Well, I mean, I mean, that specific video that you're referring to that we just, you know, you guys just heard is, uh, it was the results of me waking up super angry on a Sunday morning and angry at the pandemic, angry at anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, angry at people in general, angry at the government, angry at everybody. And uh, I actually wrote four scripts before I wrote that one. Um, And they were just like, (laughs) they gradually calmed down and simmered down. It was sort of started super angry, like, I had this idea for uh, uh, if I was in charge of the pandemic, meaning just in general, and I said I'd let most of you morons die. And I thought that seems a little dark. That seems it's dark. dark for me. It's dark seems, for a Sunday. It might be. It might be where I'm feeling at the exact moment. But let's just back up a little bit, take a breath. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote four scripts, and they gradually got a little bit more distilled until I got down to the idea. It's like, well, you know what? I'm not. I'm not just angry. I'm. Just, I'm tired. I'm just really exhausted from all this. And I think that. You know, one of the things I try to do is, uh, you know, even though people who are anti-mask, anti- you know, anti-vax, all that kind of stuff, um, who think this is a conspiracy or whatever, that those people make me angry. But at the same time, I'm kind of tired of them. But at the same time as well, I want to sort of say, well, listen, we're all tired of this. It's not like I'm enjoying it. It's not like I'm yeah. saying Look, wear a mask and social distance. And isn't this awesome? <laughs> you know, yeah. it sucks. Yeah, right. And that's, that's I sort they, of where it came from.
1: There's a piece of that where you kind of go, well they're getting away with it and I'm sick of it. So do I want to join the dark side? Like (laughs) there is an element of that. Right. And I get that I'm there too.
3: Yeah. I think it's just really kind of, as you know, saying important to get across to the people that it's like, it's not us and them, especially in the, something like a viral pandemic. It's like, it's, it's everybody we're all in the, like, we're all literally, we might not be in the same level of, uh, survival as as each other—that's absolutely sure. Uh, but I think at the same time, it's like this is literally just affecting everybody. It's not like it's every man for themselves. It's like every man for themselves—that doesn't work in a viral pandemic. That just sort no. of—it's uh, viruses love that. They're like, yeah, do that. That'd well, be great. it's Hollywood,
1: right? Like as soon yeah. as it's everyone for themselves, you now have a Hollywood script, and we can watch <laughs> exactly. it. And exactly. there's zombies involved. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy. So let's talk about your background here, Stuart. Brittle Star is this identity of comedy and music and not only that i don't think many people know that you will actually get up and and teach a lot of this stuff there's the one slide you have there that really i think is great and most people need to do this because you do tv commercials you write them you guys put the family in them you do the whole thing Mm -hmm. kind of a grassroots reality feel real life feel to them all (laughs) um but I think it's important and it sells. But your your statement on the website anyway it says entertain first, sell second. Yeah. And if the inter- if the internet could only figure that out, <laughs> oh my god, would it be a better place to be?
3: Sometimes it does, but I mean, it's to me, it's always been like when we started doing branded content, uh, it was kind of important for me to. Because the reason I would get branded content deals is that I had a following. People knew what to expect from me. People knew what kind of content I created. That's why they followed with me. That's why they watched the stuff. So it was important for me to kind of create stuff that was true to that content. And that meant that I had to kind of just give them what I'd give them anyway, and then kind of mix in some messaging there that sort of says oh by the way this is brought to you by soapy suds or something um and (laughs) it's not a real product i don't think um but i think you know it, it people and also people kind of respect that better as well i think it's like when you watch a super bowl commercials it's like yeah it's a commercial i love it i'll watch a like a super cut of super bowl commercials on youtube and they're all just commercials but it's like their their purpose is to entertain first sell second it's not about a messaging it's about it's about uh, connecting with people. And I think especially with social media, it's such an intimate medium. People are holding you in their hand and they're holding you in their hand when they're lying down on the couch or they're in bed or they're in the bathroom. And it's like, this is a very intimate, uh, you know, authentic sort of, well, as close as you can get to authentic connection you have with someone that's, that they're watching this content. You don't want to betray that. You want to give them the goods first as opposed to just coming on and saying, buy this, that type of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I um, I um I was always taught very similar especially with social media it's very simple connect 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 mm-hmm. sell
3: yeah yeah right?
1: and you have to do that I mean that's that 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 but that's life man I mean that, that's totally that, that's no different than if you walk into a party all right hey this is my buddy Stuart uh you know nice to meet you and the very first thing you say is uh, do you have an RSP advisor <laughs>
3: exactly <laughs> come on I think you have to be aware of the fact that it's you know if you come across too transactional it's really off-putting for people I think you have to uh I mean, when I'm hopefully the idea when I'm putting content out there, a lot of this, but like even this stuff like the, you know, I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm I'm putting something out there and I don't really expect anything back in return from anybody. If it connects and if it resonates and people can use that content to express how they feel or whatever, or they get valuable uh information from it, then that's amazing. That's fantastic. But the relationship is not, it's not transactional. It's a case of here's some content. You can just enjoy it or ignore it or whatever you want to do, and that's that's as far. And if you want to do something else, that's great. Let's keep going and let's keep this relationship going. But I don't expect anything from people at all.
1: Through the pandemic, you've kind of found this. Um, I don't know. Like you're, you say you're the. What's the internet dad statement? You're the, the
3: internet's the, favorite dad. Yeah, Still yeah, internet thick. Yeah,
1: yeah, unproven. disclaimer. Um, but at the same time, you've kind of found that role. I mean, that's, that sort of has become a thing through the pandemic yet you do make music and do the comedy stuff too. So did you expect it to go this way or is this just sort of one of those circumstance things? That's been a bit of a gift.
3: I mean, I think I've been fortunate enough to be fairly creative my whole life and, uh, you know, did lots of stuff in music growing up and, when I was younger. And that's how the Brittle Star name started was because of music. It was a band name that I created to make this album all like essentially by myself. And um, uh, Admit it,
1: you were too cheap to buy a new domain.
3: (laughs) That's literally it, man. That's totally it. (laughs) Not even so much cheap. It was like, oh man, I have brittlestar.ca.com.co.uk.tv. I have all this stuff. Why would I? Okay, I'll just use Brittle Star. It's fine. Uh, And I had all the socials and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I think that, uh, you know, being creative has allowed me to, to give me some sort of therapeutic vent venting, basically, so I can kind of get this stuff out there and get it out of my head. And then it feels like, okay, now it's a thing. That thing that was stressing me out and giving me anxiety is now its own entity somewhere else and separate from me. And that's happened with if I've been making, making music or even making these videos. And what's really funny is it's starting this whole process of doing content on social media like eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. I did that because... We were in like a terrible fiscal situation. Our business had blown apart. We were like it was really, really dire, and I thought I just wanted to laugh. I wanted to have fun and and try to be happy about stuff. So that's the reason I got into it in the first place, and then was fortunate enough to kind of create a a, a career. I'm doing rabbit ears here, um, and. Uh, or air quotes. Sorry, not rabbit ears. It's a different thing. Isn't it? sorry, I'm giving you rabbit ears. Um, I'm doing air quotes. And uh, you know, it's it's. I've been lucky enough to have lots of fun and 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 do well and support a family of four with it. But uh, it's now coming to the pandemic. It's like it's stressful. Everybody's stressed out. I, mean, I get the pandemic wobble every three weeks. And the fact that I can make videos and just get it out of my head and get it out of my system, it's like okay, blood pressure returning to normal. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So yeah. I'm thankful for it.
1: So you do have kids. I do.
3: And, um, on
1: the cool scale of dad, pick me up, uh, down the block <laughs> or it's okay to drop me off at school or, Hey, why don't you come to the mall with me and my friends? Where, where do you land on the cool dad scale?
3: Um, I, th- well, I mean, it's hard now because the kids are the kids and I'm doing uh, air quotes again, not rabbit ears. Um, the kids are 19 and 22. So, I mean, uh, you know, they've got beer. So they don't need me anymore. All right. um, but I mean, it was, it's...
1: It was your job to get the beer before. It's
3: exactly. Now <laughs> I, so it's cut my beer bill in half. Um, and uh, when I was when they were a little bit younger, we started out like our youngest. Gregor was 11. when we started doing this as like a full time gig. And he's, he's got his own successful social media presence and does really well and gets, does his own brand deals and stuff. Uh, so he was more into it. So him and I would go to conferences that his older brother, Owen would be like, ah, I don't really want to do this. I'm not really into it. So was that's fine. It's, it's the same as my wife. She was like, I'm, I'm not into this. And it's like, great. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be into it. So that's the only time I think is when he's like 11 or 12, and we'd go to conferences and people would recognize me and him and they'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, this is cool. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah. Briefly, he called us the dynamic duo. I think that lasted about three months, and then that nice. stopped.
1: <laughs> so not only is it uh, parenting advice, but it's marriage advice from Biddlestar. Um, when my wife says, no, I'm not into this. Uh, <laughs> it
3: goes all kinds of different directions.
1: So is he adopted the internet's favorite son, then? He should take
3: that off. No, on. no. It's funny because he's... Uh, he's he's you know he's essentially grown up in social media so our youngest son gregor so he's been like the cute little kid that was just above my elbow and is now six foot two and has has a mustache and it's like this is a transformation so it was like like still some father-son content that we create but uh he's he's cool to do his own and i'm happy to do my own as well which
1: is fun. that's fun yeah Uh, yeah yeah i remember the day when my mom said shane put your father down um (laughs) That's always a, as a as a sun. That is always a day that changes all the life things. <laughs> um, you don't get into this without having something to say, um, Stuart. So I, you don't. I mean, entertainment, yes, and hmm. you know your podcast series. That's uh, you know it's a couple of years old now. It's still worth listening to. It's on the dot com website. Very well done. Uh, you, but you still have things to say. So like, wh- what is the core? Where's that that piece land for you? Are you are you just looking to entertain? I mean you're clearly not only looking to make a buck and I could use um, some more bucks, yeah. Yeah, God, we could well we just give them Air Canada, don't worry about it. Um the but you know, you you do speaking, you do panels, you do mm-hmm. getting in front of people and, and sharing things. What's the most important thing that 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 you you think you can, you know, at least enlighten people with
3: I think, in that part? I think, you know, I realized, it was like, once I had some decent success, I started on Vine, the app Vine. So six and a half second looping videos and went to the first big meetup at Yonge and Dundas Square in Toronto. And there's about two and a half or so thousand people there at this meetup. And it was like, oh my God, this is like, I was 43 years old. So I was like, what the hell am I doing here? This is crazy. But I walked across the street and this woman came up to me and she must've been about maybe mid fifties, late fifties. And she ran over to me and I was like, I don't know who this woman is. And she gave me this big hug and she said, Um, I just want to thank you. Your videos have gotten me and my family through a really hard time. And I was like, oh God. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I was just making stupid videos, but I guess, I guess they have a purpose maybe. And as beyond just me, I would do them for like my own enjoyment and then hopefully get some numbers and stuff and try to turn it into something. But I was like, I didn't expect it to have any sort of actual impact as apart from maybe someone saying, oh yeah, I saw your video. it was funny. So this woman saying that kind of, made me aware of that. And then it's happened, you know, thankfully it's happened countless times since, which is really lovely. Um, But that put me in a frame of mind where it's kind of like, oh, I can actually inspire people in some sort of way. Uh, And that sounds really lofty and horrible, but the idea of, uh, you know, I can, I can say things and I can tell them, listen, you know, I'm an idiot and I was able to do this. And I was able to sort of turn this weird Terrible situation into a weird, fun situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that can inspire you, if that can make you think differently, if that can make you feel better about yourself, if that can make you feel less alone um, and less lonely, then I think that's wonderful. I think that's, I mean, it's for me, that's been the main sort of, you know, MO for this pandemic time for me has been like, I want people to realize I have this platform and I want them to realize how they're feeling. They're not the only people feeling that way. Because I think even though it seems obvious that it, it should seem obvious that people are feeling the same way, it's off. It's easy to sort of think, well, I think I'm surrounded by people who don't agree with me. And it's like, no, no, we're all in this together. We're literally going through this all together. And this is how I feel. And that's the same way you feel. And that's great. And you know, you're not alone. So I think it's important to, to me to use my platform to inspire. I had this weird demographic. And this is the funnest thing I think I think about this analytics and all that kind of stuff as I spike between the ages of 18 and 24, and then I die off until like 45 and up. And it just gets mm. it just solid after that. Um, so this 18 to 24 is weird, but I think basically they're looking at me going, huh, that guy's old. He's still having fun. Yeah. I wouldn't mind being like that. So it's like weird aspirational quality. And then the old people look at me and go, Hey, he's old like me. He's still having fun. Maybe I could. That's the other side of the aspirational. So I'm happy to fill that role.
1: Well, you do say, I want to hold you into account there. You say it's lofty and horrible thing to say, but I don't think it is at all. I had a moment myself. I was walking and battling with my own self-worth and, and I had that moment of, well, what if I'm not alone? in this, yeah, you know, you know, and, 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 you know, it was just a breakup. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah. And we've all been through them. And, uh, but then I had this moment of, well, what if I'm not alone? And then that, that sort of changed everything for me. And, and, you know, so I don't think it's lofty. I think it's realistic. And the, the notion for me in all this is, is not to, I'm trying to take teach out of my, uh, out of my vocabulary. Cause I don't want right. to teach anybody anything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's lofty. Um, but if, um, but if I can just sort of open up the door, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this. I'm just going to open up the door and we'll see whoever walks through it. Right. But someone's got to open the door. And I, so I don't, you know, I think that's important. I think we all have the ability to do that. The question is, is, are we going to get off our asses and do it really? So no, I don't think it's lofty.
3: Well, I appreciate that. I feel better about myself now. I feel actually my ego's gotten bigger. Now you've said good. Let's go pump your tires. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what I'm here for. Um, Stuart Reynolds is brittle star. And do you, do you have a favorite? Of the things that you've done recently or all along, that's one of those ones where you're like, "Yeah, nailed
3: it." Um, it's funny because you know I, I have I, I my saying is you can't pick your hits and you really can't. You can't like the things that I think are going to do great sometimes don't do anything, and the things that I that I think, "Oh, this is," eh, we'll see if this does anything. Those are the ones that kind of take off, and it's like, "Oh, okay." Um, it's usually about sort of not think overthinking it, and just sort of almost like a spinal you know, reactive process for creativity, but, and that's usually the ones that do best. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, I did one, my, my classic example of the ones, one of the videos I did that's one of my favorites that nobody else really liked that much <laughs> was I did a, a really short video called uh, urologist, the movie, and <laughs> it was done like a, like a film war, but like almost like a Tennessee Williams sort of, you know, streetcar named desire can hot tin roof type of thing. And I was by a window with a glass of whiskey and this undershirt and there's this old soundtrack playing and it sounds like I'm in an old film and it's like that's the dream son looking at wieners all day and then a little voice off camera goes but daddy and he goes, I told you it's just a dream. And that's kind of the end of the video. And it's like, this would be hilarious. Like I was, cause I just, I just thought it was really funny. I was like, ah, oh, there people out there that want to be urologists. I mean, good for them. Thank God there are. And yeah. that's fantastic. But is yeah. that like a, a dream that people like maybe didn't make it? They're like, oh, I always wanted to do that, but I can't do it. <laughs> no Nobody liked it except for, and this is honest to God. No one liked it except for the urologist association of America who played it at the conference.
1: <laughs> oh my
3: goodness. Well, there's all types, right? There sure is. There sure there is. Sure That's is. my niche market right there, urologists.
1: Uh, BrittleStar.com, link up with the uh, the Instagram is really how I get to enjoy it, but there's the YouTube channels. There's the, all kinds of things. Uh, Stuart, thanks for sharing Insight. I look forward to having you back uh, anytime uh, here on The Shift. Please do.
3: Oh, thanks so much for having me and It was fun.
0: It's The Shift Podcast.
4: Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen, live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Maybe. Hi, Chris. Story, story number one. Let's just do it. Let's get yeah, it. Let's, quickly. Let's get quickly, started quickly. Just so
1: we don't mess up here. My goodness. All right, so we've got you back now. We had an internet burp or something happened there. We lost Chris, yeah. but here we are back again with the International Dispatch. So we have a bunch of time. We can do whatever here. Let's That's get awesome. started with some of these stories that you've prepared us from around
4: the world. Yeah. Yeah. Without um crossing the international punchline, uh, I will just periodically check and uh, make sure you guys can still hear me from time to time. So We'll now it's one of it those toy. times you can still hear me right right okay good just making sure okay so <laughs> that was continuing funny. On. you
1: just kept talking by the way and we were like yeah. all, all of us were like he doesn't know that we've lost him this is pretty funny anyway interruption go ahead
4: I sw- I sweated for a hot second there and then I, I I changed my tab back to the zoom call just to m- just to see everyone silently giving me the thumbs up so if you could all just scream into your microphones periodically that'll make me feel a whole lot safer but um you got it let, let's start in japan do you know that japan has incredibly high-tech toilets
1: high-tech yeah. toilets
0: they're yeah. crazy
4: they're crazy yeah big, i mean the simpsons did a joke about it yeah like the simpsons were like you know there's like a, a firework little display or something that came out of the toilet and one simpsons episode and, and a fountain and and stuff but um so every toilet in Japan, will uh, especially in department stores, will play music while you are doing your business. Uh, it'll play me like classical m- music, maybe some Chopin, uh, maybe some forest noises or some bird noises to uh, ensure your privacy, so uh, no one can hear you. You know, doing whatever it is that you do in the toilet in the next cubicle over. Um, I never use that sound because I always feel like if I have to play like you know like bird sound over my business that. Other people will just think, wow, his business must be so disgusting that he has to hide whatever he's doing with bird sounds. So I never use it. I just, I just let people hear me au naturel. Um, but there are other things you can do with the toilet. They are all fitted with a heated toilet seat. Uh, they all are fitted with an electronic bidet. Um, wow. There are various things you can do. And now at highway rest stops, the Japanese toilet will tell the Japanese driver how fatigued they are, what? which is quite amazing. Yeah, so so
1: it analyzes their 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 stuff, or does it like read their temperature <laughs> from? I don't know how to say that.
4: That's amazing. I like. I, I hadn't considered that that it might actually do like a, a chemical breakdown of the, of the um of the deposit and be like, no, you're too tired <laughs> to drive. Yeah. You've, you've obviously know. drunk far too much coffee. You shouldn't be on the roads. Um, no, it it has an electronic touch display next to the toilet with various languages. And then uh, there was this guy who used one. So I'm just going to read from the webpage that I'm looking at here. Um Before agreeing to use the system, the screen pops up to let you know that it'll take roughly 60 seconds to measure your degree of fatigue. Then all you have to do is choose your age bracket and then answer the question, do you feel tired? With either not tired, somewhat tired, tired, or very tired. Uh, So really, to be honest, you should already know that. Um, Having not driven for very long from Tokyo to this rest stop, uh, the person in question felt fresh as a daisy, so he selected not tired. Uh, While he initially thought that uh, revealing his tarnished levels to the machine would skew the results, he later figured the data was most likely going to be used by the expressway as a survey. Um, He then pressed the start button and followed the instructions to relax while the measurement was being taken. Uh, I have no idea well how the measurement is taken, but because uh, the rest is in Japanese, I can't read. But I can see a squiggly graph on the screen, which maybe measures your pulse or something from your thighs. Anyway, oh <laughs> it's it's incredible um, and very convenient and. If I spoke more Japanese, I would be able to tell you, but it looks like you sit on the toilet seat and it kind of measures the blood going through your legs. Is there a pulse near your thighs? I think there is. And then tells you how tired you are, Um and tells you whether you should be driving or not. Very convenient for genius. every Canadian wrist stop. I think so.
1: I think this is, I think it's genius because it's like, it sounds like a million dollar idea. And hidden in all those questions is one simple question. Do you feel tired? And if you push yes, it says yes. And if you say no, it says no. Like this could be a great, this would be a great scammy idea because you can make a bunch and- of money that way
4: it does sound like a scam but it also does seem like there is a scientific method here being used to actually measure your fatigue and the survey at the start is just to i guess correlate uh how you personally feel to how the machine detects how you feel to make sure that you know you are in fact feeling the way that you say you are Uh, for example if the machine detects that you're far more fatigued than you think you feel Then you get data from all of the toilets across Japan that uh, Japanese drivers may uh, or the average driver may uh, say they feel great when, in fact, they're liable to cause a car crash. Uh, So thank you to the humble toilet.
1: That's some I think that's kind of neat, although I had no idea um, or I'd be curious where the idea comes from. I know how we're going to find out if they're tired. Let's check the throbbing pulses of thighs of truckers. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Who had that one? <laughs> I would be really scared to see what my reading would be. With the, like I just sit on the toilets like, you need to go to bed right now. Doesn't even wait.
4: Mm. I mean, That's it, you're out. Tap out. I mean, maybe. I mean, I have slept in my car on multiple occasions when I was in no state to drive. You know, I mean that that is a thing that has has happened because I am a responsible boy, uh, man. And I will not drive when I am not fit to. I don't need a toilet to tell me what's what. I know myself. Um, but I would be very interested to hear from all of the uh, the truckers across across Canada to hear if if a uh, if a fatigue detecting toilet would be something that would be of use to them when they when they make their their stops their truck stops.
1: Hmm. It's interesting. I like it. I also like the yeah. uh, part you just glazed over there with the uh, the electric bidet. Let's give you a little. Give you a little shower there. That's all right, too.
4: Wait, 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 wait. What, what are you saying about the electric bidet? Do you have a problem with the electric bidet?
1: No, I'm saying it's a l- very luxurious uh, warm water experience.
4: S- so what happens is there's a little like, uh, hmm, how do I say this? So it, from the back of the toilet, when you push the bidet button, a little, I guess, device uh, extends from the back of the toilet. like, zzz, zzz, hmm. And then you push the start button and it'll just... You know well and you can choose uh how uh hot or cold you want the temperature and how strong you want it to come out and the mm-hmm. angle so if you wanted a little bit more front front side or if you want a little bit more back side so the little device that extends from from the back of the toilet uh can choose and then you push a start button and then it'll uh it'll sanitize you very thoroughly that's high, um, that's high tech yeah.
1: we got a couple of text messages here chris um yeah. rob uh, Rob speculates with a, a headline, potential headline out of this. Ooh, toilet like suspends this. man's license. Um, <laughs> that's one headline. I like it. And uh, Angelo suggests, I don't believe this toilet can actually detect if you're tired. Because if you're on the toilet, you may be straining. And that could be a misread false positive.
4: That's a bloody good point, actually. Is that, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> you know, you can't... Yeah, I guess incredibly accurately predict people's bodies and how they behave in a moment of uh, intensity, shall I say, if, if you're yeah, a little bit clogged up. Yeah. yeah,
1: you might have yeah. some work to do.
4: Yeah. You know, if, if right. you've got a little bit of plumbing to do, uh, then the uh, the toilet uh, device may um, have a false reading. And then uh, it tells you you can't drive. It uh, sends an immediate message with your license plate number to the Japan Automobile Association saying, pull over this car. I don't know. I'm I'm making this bit up now. But all you you were was you're a little bit constipated, and that's not really fair.
1: There's a text message from Jasper. It says, I don't think there is any science in a toilet using your temperature and heart rate to predict things like that. It sounds like this toilet is more of an electronic mood ring. (laughs) If your toilet turns green, you're happy.
4: I'm happy for the ticks, but I can I also just say that uh, producer Ryan, uh, for most of that, was slumped back in his chair for that toilet talk and now was uh, extended away from his microphone with his hand to his face. So he, he's, not an, he's not enjoying the toilet conversation, I don't think. Are you, Ryan?
0: Uh, enthralled, actually. I'm coping <laughs> with just the idea that <laughs> I live in a time where my toilet could do more things than my cell phone, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Well...
4: I don't actually. Do you? You know, like I don't actually use my. Do you guys use your cell phones anymore? I was thinking about this the other day because I use the Google Maps. You know, um, I, I use some chat, some chat thingies. I might look at Instagram once a day, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like I don't need any other apps than that. I'm actually cons- considering switching to an iPod, so, um, so I can use the the headphones jack and use the Google Maps and the messaging cuz I don't need a phone number I can I can you know audio like like FaceTime call so like do you, do you guys find that you actually used your cell phone a lot because I use my toilet a lot but not my cell phone that much
1: <laughs> I don't um I I don't use my cell phone uh, for calling very much. In fact, I was, um, g- connecting with someone to drop something off today and texting, where are you in the parking lot? I'm, I'm over by this thing and I, oh, I can't see you. What color is your car? And this text, and then all of a sudden the phone rings. It's like, Oh yeah, we can do that. And the conversation is, you know, I mean, so aside from I do use it kind of like the morning paper, I flip through the headlines when I get up and I do use it for email and stuff for the business, but really. You know, I mean, I check Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. Um,
4: let's get rid of them, Shane. We don't need them anymore, they're ruling our lives. Everyone, get rid of your cell phones, let's recycle them. Go back to the flip phone. That's what I think. I would love you know, to know the go one back to where, the flip where, phone. where you have to, to tap the two button four times to get a D, and then you mm-hmm. have to tap the three button to, to send a text message and stuff. I want to go back to those days. I don't, I don't like these. Machines anymore. I'm you know? It. I'm, I'm over the cell phone.
1: I'm also over being reachable all the time.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't want to be that in contact either. To be honest, you know. And and speaking of, let's uh, move on to the next story. Uh, speaking, I did not send you guys this one, but um, the speaking of of the internet, and uh, and also you know tangentially COVID nineteen, uh, the Australian uh, Health Authority has given out official advice. This is not really a news story. This is more of a webpage of health.gov.au I'm looking at, uh, which has given official advice to all Australians that the COVID-19 vaccine cannot connect you to the internet. So lower your hopes. You cannot be a walking Wi-Fi hotspot. Uh, Mm -hmm. COVID-19 vaccines do not and cannot connect you to the internet, says the Australian government. Uh, It says here... Uh, Some of the mRNA vaccines being developed include the use of material called hydrogel, which might help disperse the vaccine slowly into ourselves. Bioengineers have used similar hydrogels for many years in different ways. Uh, Because of this, some people believe hydrogels are needed for electronic implants, which can connect to the internet. The Pfizer mRNA vaccine does not use hydrogels as a component, and the Pfizer vaccine uh, will not connect you to the internet. So there's official advice from the Australian government for you.
1: Doesn't say Moderna. Never know.
4: I know. Uh, I do believe, uh, were you guys having a conversation yesterday? I think I saw your rundown about the AstraZeneca vaccine. Mm-hmm. Do we know if it contains hydrogels?
1: Well, it, that's not an uh, MRNA. It's a totally different kind of vaccine. Oh, is it So not? I would assume, I would assume no
4: okay sorry right so because the Moderna one and the Pfizer one use the same technology but the the other two that we don't talk of the J&J and the AstraZeneca they they use a different technology which uh which kills you right
1: more it doesn't kill you <laughs> the uh, more traditional vaccine stuff yes <laughs>
4: yeah don't say that I we're mean, gonna get a thousand phone calls and people saying oh my god I wrote on the shift that oh dear no it doesn't of course it doesn't but um I mean the general consensus is like this know saying the quiet but loud that everyone kind of wants the Pfizer and the Moderna one right nobody yeah. really wants the J&J and the AstraZeneca one honestly mm-hmm. I, I right agree. ryan
0: whoops i tra- dragged my chrome tab instead of unmuting my <laughs> microphone uh oh, i awesome. i definitely would prefer Pfizer or Moderna uh, the memes of like which gang are you a part of is uh, I I enjoy those quite a bit. But mm. I, I, I don't care. If if I walk into a shopper's drug mart tomorrow at just the right time and they say hey we got a leftover vaccine, I wouldn't even ask what kind. I'd just be like all right, do it.
4: I'd, you see yeah, I think so. I would ask I think I would definitely ask I'm like what are you selling? I it's like you know like is it <laughs> show is me it your the... stock yeah, come on, show me, show me the packaging, show me the, show me this, you know, the small print. Um, I do miss shoppers drug marts though.
1: Yeah, um, no shoppers the, drug marts. Uh, Loblaw's nah, has no, not taken over Japan yet in Tokyo.
4: Nah, no eighty-eight yen um, three packs of Federa Rocher for me. I mean, eighty-eight cents. Mm. Sorry, been living in Japan too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, too
1: long. Oh, man, we got a text message from Rob. He does says his vaccine has an unlimited data plan. So that's exciting for him.
4: Oh, congratulations, (laughs) Rob. That way you don't have to get swindled by one of these cell phone companies. You know, like there is a cell phone company that I used in in Canada, and I will not say its name, but I uh, paid all my bills and I disconnected from their plan. And they were like, you are disconnected from all your plans when I left Canada. And then they continued billing me. Um, I don't think the vaccine will do that to you. So uh, congratulations, Rob. I think that's a big step.
1: Sir Christopher Gilbert is in Tokyo. It's the International Dispatch. we got a couple other ones here. We have time probably to hit one one of your groups here. Chris, which one do you want to
4: do? Uh, let's do the goose because, you know, it's Canada. The humble goose. Um, mm. I, I, I came across this this morning and I could not believe what I was watching for a variety of reasons. This is a story from the USA. I think it's from somewhere in New York State. Um, about a goose outside of Cole's uh, store. And uh, uh, Brendan, can you play the the first uh, goose clip, please?
5: This is not a video game. This is the true definition of an angry bird. And there he is. All you have to do is start to walk a little bit closer to the nest, and he starts to pay attention. He's watching over his mate for life.
4: Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, I, I first opened up this story because I really respect anybody who calls out an angry goose. (laughs) I have walked through Stanley Park with gangs of goose or geese, excuse me, huddled around a a muddy puddle and I'm like, they're blocking my path. I can't go around them. You know, they're like walking towards me, giving me the the stare down and clicking their fingers and stuff. So I can't go towards (laughs) the geese. I'm terrified of geese. And so I I clicked, I clicked the story. I watched the story, and and I really respected the reporter for standing so close to what he knew was a violent, angry goose, the most terrifying of all animals. Um, And then I realized, wait a second, this story is literally just about a goose. So if we listen to the next clip, I just want to show how much waffle this reporter can make up about geese. Uh, So here's the next clip.
5: Male Canada geese are known to be aggressive this time of year because they're protecting their eggs. When you go near their nest, they will come after you. They don't bite, but they'll clam on you, and you'll have a black and blue mark that will last for a month or so. The male is always on watch, always on the prowl. Some people like to test fate, but there is no backing down for this waterfowl. He keeps a focus on
4: his future and is ready to attack at a moment's notice. It's a goose. It's just a goose. It's a it's a goose on the news. They are. I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. Why are you not shocked? It's just a goose. Because they're
0: mean. Because that's the thing is when you look at a goose, it's just like you said, it's just a goose. But when you get into it, when you actually, when you get attacked by a goose, I'll never forget. I had a science teacher who, like, you know, it was lunch break. And she came back in and she looked like she had been in a war. Her eyes were like, her face was white. She was, looked terrified. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? And she says, me and my partner just got attacked by a goose. So I I get it.
4: Okay. It's Ryan. Real. Ryan, you are producing uh, CAKNW 980 Vancouver's Linda Steele show tomorrow. There is a violent goose uh, outside... Uh, what should we say, Um, a a Canadian tire in Burnaby. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you get the manager of that Canadian tire on the Linda (laughs) Steele show tomorrow to talk about the angry goose that's uh, stalking the perimeter of the Canadian tire?
0: No, I, I get the goose. I get the goose. (laughs) You get the goose on. I get
1: the goose. (laughs) And not only that, we get the mama goose to talk about how proud she is and how safe she feels. And then when the babies are born, we get their perspective of how
4: good of a daddy is. Uh, Do we have time for the third clip? Yep. Okay, let's hit it.
5: Over the weekend, this male protector knocked one man down when he inadvertently came too close to the nest. The bird started pecking away at his face and left the victim with bruise marks. This waterfowl couple has already been here 15 days. They'll probably be here another two weeks until the eggs hatch.
0: Amazing. Wait, how does he reach his face?
4: Well, he he can he, he, he flutters above the ground using his wings, Shane. He's a goose. Oh.
0: He can fly. Know. He may be a cobra chicken, but he can fly higher. Well, that's than a just it. I mean
1: that that's the thing, right? This is the Great Canadian Cobra Chicken we're talking about here. I don't know if you're familiar with this, Chris, but this is actually what they're called: oh, is what? the Great Canadian Cobra Chicken.
4: Cobra, <laughs> cobra chicken is a great name for a goose. I will admit. Okay, so geese are terrifying. I I know that uh, uh, like uh, many of my friends in Canada have cognitive dissonance around geese. Uh, they love them and are terrified by them in a single stroke. I will also say for the listeners, as someone who has worked in news, please copy and paste the formula you heard tonight to all news you hear. These <laughs> all news is a story about geese, but you can copy and paste it with, uh, I don't know, Prince Philip dying or something else. But it's just like, this is how much I can say about this thing that's in front of me. And so the, the lowest common denominator I think we can get to is an angry goose in front of a coles that's picking at someone's face. And if it uh, is something else in the news, I think it has about just as much pertinence. That's my opinion. Of all the things
1: in the news, I would say that, yeah, it's probably not high on the priority list, but they're scary. And I disagree with the guy when he says that they don't bite you. I mean, they do bite you and it hurts. And they've got little, tiny little little teeth in that bill there. I don't know what they're called, but they look like little teeth and they're sharp. Wait, do they have teeth? Well, they have like the little bumps. I mean, they eat stuff. It's not like a- yeah, they have like little sharp things in feel. there.
4: So like a pelican, a pelican will just like glug, 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 like chuck down a fish hole, right? Right. But what other birds have teeth? Do ducks have teeth?
1: That's a good question.
4: Oh my God, I'm not <laughs> going to sleep tonight, guys.
1: That's, well, that you can have nightmares of the great Canadian cobra chicken and see how that feels. Because this is what you've created for everybody. Oh my goodness.
4: Oh my oh God! Okay, well, that's enough right. geese for me. I'm out of this. I, I had enough geese when I was in, lived in Vancouver last year, and uh, I, I shared this story with you tonight. And I think I've reached my goose limit, so I leave the geese All in right. your hands.
1: We will take care of the geese. Sir Christopher Gilbert in Tokyo, The International Dispatch. Thanks so much for being here, brother.
4: Thank you very much, guys. See you next week.